3: where three friends try to craft the perfect guest list for a given topic. Now, let's find out who's coming to dinner this week.
1: Hello, and welcome to Seating Charts. A conversational podcast amongst friends where we invite people to a fictional dinner party that we all want to be at but can never be unfortunately uh much like our topic we will chase it eternally um it'll it'll drive our plight uh for many lifetimes
3: now is that a covid reference yeah. <laughs> like is, we're just not allowed to have dinner parties because technically last week's we could assemble um it would be weird, but we could do it. This
1: week's will be harder. See. I would agree with that. The
2: NES uh, would have been at you know target audience to get killed by COVID though. It's, it's uh, all see, there. See,
1: <laughs> I was gonna say I could definitely assemble our list. Actually, I own all those consoles from from last week. I can't assemble my own personal list because one of the consoles was only uh, ever made as a like a production model unit and literally costs <laughs> multiple tens of thousands of dollars. So, hey, never say never i mean prob- probably not Pro-
3: probably not <laughs> would you say that
1: would you say that would be your MacGuffin? uh no because oh. it doesn't drive me forward further any sort of life plot point unfortunately so well that was a bad ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show a segue <laughs> uh anyways we should remind those lovely listeners who we are so i'm mike i'm morgan and i'm adam and uh, we're here to uh, invite some uh, some objects, some people actually, this time, uh, to a dinner party. Uh, that's kind of the, the gist of the show. We uh, kind of come together and really put together a, a good, solid uh, guest list to a, a fun dinner party we're planning. Uh, this time we're inviting some MacGuffins to our dinner party. Uh, now, th- the definition of a MacGuffin is actually kind of contentious. We were discussing this before the show. Uh We are kind of looking at it in in two different lights. We are looking at it both the Alfred Hitchcock light, which is a object of desire that the audience should not necessarily care about, but drives sort of the the main characters. Right. That a good rough, rough. Uh,
3: That's good. Yes. The idea is that in the Hitchcock style, you could replace the MacGuffin
1: with anything and the movie would still work the same. Right. Um, and we're also looking at uh, MacGuffins in the George Lucas style, uh, which, Mike, do you want to cover cover that base? Yeah, so the opposite here, then, is sort of Hitchcock. It's still an object, or in this case, a
3: character as well, that can be the main focus of the plot. But Lucas believes that you should care as much about that you know, person or plot device as the characters do. So you, have, you are more engaged. Uh, so that one is harder to swap out, which is hilarious because then Lucas recycled every movie idea he ever had over and over again. So I don't know... How we compare that. And I say that with lots of love in my heart. Uh, But those are sort of our two ideas. So we will have people, we will have um, items, uh, all of these will be here. Um, When are we going to do our own spinoff podcast, which is like our cooking show, where we plan the meal for the dinner table?
1: I mean, I'm not a cook. Apparently, never. <laughs> I got no response. I, there. I just, just did. straight dead air. Oh gosh, I, I, I was thinking of names. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so, well, none of us are, are, are chefs, unfortunately. So that that's it's gonna be pretty bad. Also, like uh, the answer for last week would have just been like games. <laughs> would have just been cartridges,
3: and discs. <laughs> cartridges. You're just like they would eat it. You're like you're like fry at the uh, the Robot <laughs> Asylum, where it's like, I'm a human. I can't eat oil. And the, all the video game systems are like, really? We can do this. Just like, open your mouth for some bits. (laughs) I'm confused. Where's your cartridge slot? I don't have one of those. Why do I have to keep telling you this? Your cartridge is a little warm. Make sure you blow
2: on it first. You don't want to burn your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Blow on it.
1: (laughs) Um, Uh, Solid joke. So before we get to the, uh, the invitees proper... Um, we we are gonna introduce uh, the kids table uh, for for this episode. So these are, you know, some guests that uh, we'll invite, but they don't get a a proper seat at the adult table uh, and can't hold interesting discussions about their lives. And uh, um, we each kind of picked one from from our lists. And uh, I believe Adam' yours is is first. Um, if you want to to, to kind of introduce your uh your, your kids table this is not to diminish any of them mind you i, I don't want that to, to sort of be in a negative way even though i kind of uh, obviously presented it in such a negative way <laughs> uh but these are ones that um for one reason or another we just didn't want to invite hey the kids are important yeah, man. again
3: remember this is not a best of list we, uh, we're we gonna have to keep hammering this not a best of list True. you are going to be upset by our choices huh. because your choices may not be there and that's good uh, so you're gonna be upset I think specifically by Adams but uh, let's go
2: alright yeah So j- just cause it's the kids table doesn't mean they're not important kids are the future come on they're very important uh, but but they only get to drink milk or water true true good thing these are all inanimate objects uh, so my choice was the one ring from the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, as much as yes I-, I do believe it belongs here uh, it's an incredible trilogy uh, fantastic filmmaking I mean it's Probably what a, the one a lot of people would think of when they think of this topic. But for me, it's not just—it's not one of my favorites, so I'm not bringing it to the table, unfortunately. You can sit across the room and we can make awkward glances at each other, but I'm not going to have it at the main table. You know, by the end of the episode, being in its presence, you may feel differently. Yeah, but then you guys won't see me. <laughs> It'll be really awkward.
3: Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think the ring... You know, it definitely does deserve to be in this discussion. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like, I enjoy the films a lot, but, it, you know, it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't move me.
2: If, like, if any of the movies tied to what I'm bringing to the table are on TV, that is what's staying on my TV. If I'm going through and I'm like, ah, Fellowship of the Rings is on, not today. And I just keep going on my way. So it doesn't do it for me.
3: Fair enough. Uh, my... See that the kids' table is going to unobtanium. Uh, I'll be very honest. I'm not super familiar with Avatar. Um, I know it made a lot of movie Once Upon a Time, and it's getting, I think, four or five sequels. Like a, like a billion. Yeah. Just you know, whatever. I, what the? It's the weirdest franchise ever. But I will say, I, I just I give. Is it Ridley Scott? Is that who it is? No, it's James. Cameron. No, it's Cameron. Yeah, it's James just... Cameron. Sorry, not Ridley Scott. Sorry. So I give James Cameron a lot of credit for like we need a MacGuffin and naming it unobtaining. <laughs> like, like that. It's such a, like that's like the full circle self-referential MacGuffin, and for that reason alone, I like it. Um, so yeah, if you if you're just gonna call your like MacGuffin. Like I don't know, like the untouchable, like you know, the untouchable thing, and you're like, oh, well, I want to touch it. You're like, I know. We couldn't even, and now we have. We couldn't even
2: get any of it for
1: the table. Like it was just so hard to get. It's just an empty (laughs) seat. (laughs) It's an IOU. There we are. It's so, it's very exclusive. Wouldn't even come if we invited it. So, (laughs) um, and then mine, uh, I, I decided to kind of. Uh, pay pay a little bit of uh, reverence to a to a classic, obviously uh, a film and in uh, a book. Uh, first was the Maltese Falcon. I think that um, you know, obviously, you know, this is one of the early representations of uh, a MacGuffin. Uh, certainly not more. You know, I think you know when you talk about it, you know, Hitchcock MacGuffins are definitely more uh, popular. But I, I don't know. I feel like this one is. Uh, a lot of people know what the Maltese falcon is it's very popular it's a very easy thing to point to you know because it's an object and, and you know by the end is is proven to to not be worth anything spoiler for the Maltese falcon uh it's been around for literally longer than anyone possibly <laughs> listened to this podcast so i didn't if you haven't got around to it my my bad i guess um but uh i just I, you know it, it's i think that's it's age is kind of why i don't particularly have a, a necessary fondness for it or anything like that i don't feel particularly connected to it but i do want to pay you know a bit of respect to uh an, an early MacGuffin.
3: i think it just evokes like the Maltese falcon just evokes a whole genre mm-hmm. right like like the hard-boiled private eye like gonna go looking for whatever you know this like i feel like you know it, it is that classic like idea and, and again in the hitchcock way like it could be anything. It's just an object that sounds. Well, cool. I don't. Yeah. It doesn't even show
2: like, up to like the last scene in the film. I'm pretty sure you don't see right. it. So yeah, they shot an entire film talking about it. It could have looked like anything. It just so it, It's a good representation of that.
3: Yeah, I, I tried to. I tried to greenlight a sequel and call it the Cadbury Cream Hawk, and they. It was not. They didn't like it. So I don't know.
1: <laughs> that's just. That's just one of those stupid commercials where like all the animals are auditioning for the the uh, the rabbit for the Cadbury cream egg. And it's just the hawk, and that's all it is. Can just birds get the diabetes? The hawk's like... eating the bunny.
0: The hawk <laughs> yeah. is definitely eating like this. <laughs>
1: it's not even trying to make like the box box sounds like the other animals to do. It's just scrawling away, eating the bunny. <laughs> Where's the cream? <laughs> Where's the cream? Good lord. All right, well, I hope you're not listening to this around children <laughs> as we describe a bunny being eviscerated by a hawk. Anyway. <laughs> Hey, that
3: hopefully it doesn't preclude Cadbury from someday sponsoring this podcast. Yeah, yeah no, Cadbury.
1: <laughs> well, we could get rid of this episode if you want to slide us one of them Easter deals. So <laughs>
3: Anyway. Uh, anyways, though, so we'll leave the kids' table, which, remember, not a lot of talk because the adults are not <laughs> that's talking. That's true. Keep it down. Um, uh, but I do believe we decided that, Morgan, you're first. Yes,
1: I am first. So um, I'm actually going to talk about um, my my second guest first. Um, because I like the first guest more and I want to spend more time on it than I want on this one. But uh, the first uh, guest that I'm introducing is definitely the beef, the briefcase from, from Pulp Fiction. And, um, you know, this is another one that I can't say that, you know, Pulp Fiction wasn't any sort of, like, formative film for me, uh, nor should it really be for anyone, I guess. But uh, <laughs> it, it is something that, like, I think you can see once and understand the idea of, like, the MacGuffin behind it um, pretty straightforward right i think like when you are talking about older MacGuffins, um from like you know hitchcock uh things like the multis falcon like we just talked about i think the you know the the briefcase is definitely like a certain generations that were where they can just that that is their touchstone to what this concept is right um i think it's it's just very i you know iconic um as far as that's concerned and um uh you know it's cool i don't know it's just it's cool people like have a lot of conjecture about what it is in the briefcase because you obviously never get to see it um and you know this is kind of one of those things where you know this could be uh it it, it definitely helps the film that it is nebulous right um and i think that um you know that's just a definitely a weird you know sort of tar- it's an intentional but definitely a tarantino-esque choice right uh as as a director um but realistically, you know, this could be uh, a sack of money, a, a rare diamond, this or that. You know, it, to to a certain degree, I really do feel like it could be anything. Um, and so it definitely harkens back to that old, uh, you know, Hitchcockian sort of uh, idea of what a MacGuffin is. Um, but the fact that it is nebulous really drives discussion. It's, it's definitely intentional, right? Like Tarantino wanted people oh, yeah. to 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 really speculate or try to figure out. You know, figure out as best as anyone really could what it what it is.
3: I've always assumed it was gold members, um, gold plated genitalia. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that they, they worked
1: backwards on that one. They were like, oh, well, what if?
3: No, I, I think in the true like, you know, we keep saying Hitchcock, but in the true sort of Hitchcock way, like like Tarantino's point is that it doesn't even matter, right? Like, yo, know, whatever you think would drive the characters is what it is. But we literally can't care mm-hmm. about it beyond mm-hmm. like asking what it is. Yeah. And that's the whole point. The idea of bringing a bunch of people together for that, like, you know, because it's, it's essentially a, a you know, like a lot of Tarantino movies, it's almost like vignette-esque, right? Like, where you have a couple of different storylines intersecting. Um, but it even harkens back to, like, one of the classic Hitchcock ones is a briefcase uh, in, like, Psycho. Like, right? Like, it's, it is a briefcase of money that gets lost in a swamp that, like, causes the police to come investigate where Marion Crane was. So, um, and that one I just know off the top of my head. I want you to know, I'm pulling names there. Like, Solid. 42, so, we're all
1: very um, impressed. It's been thousand dollars or something? Hey, hey, it was a lot of money. I mean, you know, <laughs> account for inflation. I don't yeah. know the math off the top of my head.
3: I, I how, dude, what's the interest rate of a small <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I guess we'll have to ask Shrek.
3: Anyways, um, <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right. It being nebulous though was a big deal, and like, um. You on our zoom call which i know is always good to talk about things that other people can't see but morgan has the image of john travolta opening it and like the idea of the the glowing like you know what could it be maybe it's i, I don't know you know uranium at this point who knows but uh, i i think that like that has helped that movie um keep its allure so i definitely yeah it's a good choice. i just
2: want to point out that travolta's hair is actually perfectly sitting on morgan's head right now and it's really <laughs> a fantastic visual
1: it's a good background <laughs>
3: All right, fair enough. Well, that's, a, that's a good you know, first pick. Um, the briefcase does look like a hungry mouth, too, yeah, so you can just open it and stuff. It's, it's Travolta on, 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 looking on, on, at on, on, his
2: future on, on. career. It's just him as Gotti, and that's oh, all they no. saying.
3: <laughs> it's it's a DVD copy of Earth. <laughs> <Killers.
2: laughs> it's him dressed in drag and in hairspray. Hey, at least that movie made Hey, funny. that movie's
1: actually pretty <laughs> decent. It is. Christopher oh.
2: Walken again, actually, with him.
1: So, yeah, fair I mean, enough. yeah, Christopher Walken saves <clears throat> most anything he's in. <laughs>
3: all right adam uh, what what is your first uh topic your first mcguffin all right
2: i'll say uh dread it run from it my first guest arrives all the same it's the infinity stones from the mcu uh so yeah i mean the mcu being 28 films uh i believe i found that the infinity stones are in 13 of them so probably the like the widest array of like mcguffins pushing of that many films um, I chose it just because for me, I, I it's more the, the theater experience where these movies hold a special place in my heart. So, think about that that excitement of going to a theater, seeing movies with a crowd, and my memories of seeing especially like uh Endgame are make it so much better, and that's where these movies really hit me. If you go back and watch like the the ending fight scene from Endgame, if you watch it with the crowd noise and everything, it really enhances it. So that's really where it hit me. Um, from where it should be here, it just—it's the highest-grossing uh, film f- franchise, I guess you'd call it, in history, with a disgusting eighteen point two billion dollars.
3: Okay, can we just at least wait until the next four Avatar movies come out that I mentioned? <laughs> that's like, true. Going to give it a run for its that's money. That's
1: true. <laughs> <laughs> James Cameron coming from them <laughs> <laughs> Um
2: But yeah, no, I think it—it really works in a. Like, pushing towards Thanos being, like, their best villain, so everything leading towards it. I'm not saying every film that involves One of the Stones is a good film. Uh, we're looking at you, uh, Thor, The Dark World, uh, <laughs> staring right at it for just being a really awful film.
3: That's the one where Natalie Portman got to do a crunch. Like, she got to do an eat. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to eat that Infinity yep. Yep, Stone. Mm. Yeah. It's in my blood now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it worked, I think. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I have a lot of good memories of this, uh, film. Like I saw most of the last ones with our dad. So that's a big place for me. And just, I I just think it just belongs there. I don't have a great argument. I know not all the films are great, but it belongs there. Nevertheless, (laughs) I
3: think that they are interesting when you look at like how MacGuffins work, because there's definitely like two layers to them to people who just like the movies, Right, they don't mean anything. Hmm. They're they're shiny power rocks, <laughs> you know, right? Like, um, but they have that added edge where they they work on the second level where the people who do know what they are and what they do, right? Like, um, can get really excited. Hmm. So you, this the people who are like, I know that all of these equal bad, mm-hmm. had just as much enjoyment as the people who are like, okay, we've seen this one, and now we're okay. Where's the space stone? Like, like, I, and I think like their ability to work for both that incredible niche audience, but also like a broader audience mm-hmm. makes them a, a really effective MacGuffin. That's
1: true. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can definitely get behind that. You know, obviously this is, you know, more of these are important objects and the audience does care about them. Uh, you know, category, which is, um, you know, definitely compelling. And like, obviously it has layers. People have previous ref, you know, reverence for, for, yes, much like a ogre has, has layers. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Back uh, to check. but, um, you know obviously that that you people have that have been invested in the marvel universe outside of the films know about mm-hmm. these stones know about their their importance to the the universe at whole and um you know definitely can you know, lean into that level of knowledge behind it. But anyone that does not have that or only has a cursory knowledge of of what these you know stones do, or haven't even heard of them until films start coming out and talking about them, uh, can still be you know invested and understand like what what's going on here. And I really feel like, you know, being able to weave all the films together in meaningful ways and still make great sort of independent stories but still have sort of an over overarching tale to tell um has been one of the crowning achievements of the uh, mcu right mm-hmm. um i really feel like obviously not every film is great but i feel like all of them are at least watchable uh to to um to to you know most to, to give them like the the least like compliment that I can, right? I think like they 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 all have been like pretty competent films as far as action films are. Concerned. Oh, I'll, I'll still watch The Dark World. I could call it a terrible film. I'm right. still gonna watch it. Like it's still <laughs> above like a lot of garbage that is out there, and I think that does say something. Like even even like the worst MCU film is still a pretty good oh okay, right. you're pretty okay movie
2: i mean yeah a lot of people use the argument that they, they all basically use the same formula over and over but
1: it's because it works <laughs> yo that's comic books baby yeah exactly no it, it <laughs> works
2: i don't know why dc can't figure that out but like it works
3: <laughs> I, I mean dc's still trying to figure out how many more moms they haven't named yet, and how many of them they, they can name more <laughs> so like oh my god have we have we established green lantern's mom oh Okay, that's a Martha. There's
1: like several Green Lanterns. <laughs> that's several Marthas, baby.
3: That's a, yeah, that's a, te- that's a Martha team. The Martha League. Other well,
2: um, woman's which, middle who- name is actually Martha. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, they
1: were going to make a, a Martian Manhunter movie, but they're actually just going to be Martha Manhunter actually now.
3: <laughs> also, uh, apparently Nintendo has joined the DC Universe. And Marth has <laughs> himself has just joined the team. Oh my! Uh, anyways, um, let's uh, let's move on uh, to my first guest, uh, and my first guest is a person, so for the, like they can actually like talk and hopefully don't talk back to me, um, but you know prepare yourselves for the one, the only, Luke Skywalker. <clears throat> going to say, Morgan, this is where you put in the applause sound effect. So if you just go ahead, yeah, and, we don't have the so. budget for that. Okay, we spent well, all the money on uh, blue milk. <laughs> Luke, were you able to join the call?
2: No. No, no we, we haven't found that map yet. We can't find him. Yeah, the
3: the Zoom call is just, I don't know, that's a long distance. Uh, so I, I want to talk about Luke Skywalker um, as as a MacGuffin uh, because I think it's one of the more interesting choices. And I don't think that J.J. Abrams made a lot of interesting choices. Uh, I'll, just be if, I, I'll be honest. I will tell everyone right here, right now. The Force Awakens is fine. The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie that's ever been made. And The Rise of Skywalker uh, is Bantha Pudu. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't care what the looks you just gave me. I don't care. Um, but I, I think that the, the Force Awakens at least had a really interesting idea of what you can do with a character like Luke Skywalker, who, uh, of course, is your 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 hero, your epic hero throughout the original trilogy, and then um, now has become this sort of space legend um, and I, I think the moment that that you know sticks out and works really well is when you know the bright-eyed characters, you know, Ray and Finn, um, and and you know Han Solo tells them like, yeah, this is all true. Like Luke did these things. He's a real person, and, and it's it, it, it sort of contextualizes I think the universe a little bit, right? That like ray this you know granted i know what she ends up becoming again jj abrams really does not have many good ideas so i hope he hears this and he's like yes somebody liked one thing oh we actually (laughs) are about to bring
2: um, him into the zoom call buddy uh, oh no no okay sorry connection issue okay
3: (laughs) Uh, anyways uh so but uh, but ray being like this character who you know when they show her putting the the rebel helmet on you know uh, when she's on her home planet when um well i guess not her home planet whatever but uh this, this connection of building this where they have to go and find this person and that enduring end shot of the force awakens where she is like finally found luke skywalker and um all of the answer yo, know, he he's the answer he's the savior he's the everything and the last jedi just like to start with him just tossing the lightsaber like those two connecting moments are are wonderful to me because from a world building perspective like we have the mythology of who luke is and and who would luke skywalker be to a child of the next generation right like who would he be like his name would be known right but i think like you know the universe is so big if you've watched the mandalorian right like things like who the jedi were get, get you know to the average person gets lost so quickly in the universe that like who is luke skywalker to certain people and i think like that that was wonderful to me. So I, I think like him him as MacGuffin really works. I, I know that a lot of people would have liked to see more of him in the trilogy, and I don't blame them. Like I get that. Like Mark Hamill's a treasure, and Luke Skywalker is obviously again a, the mythological character essentially. But I think like it's really a good decision to, if you're trying to like pass the torch, right, or like establish new characters that like of course that they would hear the myth of this of this world. Uh, so I, I think he works really well as a MacGuffin.
2: And if you're looking at it from that, like the mythos of it, I think it really ties in well to how they handled him at the end of The Last Jedi. Because even everybody's only vision of Luke is a damn ghost. Like, he's not actually there. <laughs> so he continues to almost be a myth to people that never met him in person. Like, oh, I saw him one time, but then he was just gone. But like, no, you didn't. You didn't see him. It's a ghost. It's. I, I kind of like that tie-in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, hey, it's it's definitely even... Watch your profanity. <laughs> watch your profanity. I meant it as, like, uh, for a river. <laughs> Damn, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Beavers and, and stuff. We right. get it. Um, but, I mean, like, he, that, that point's even, like, hammered home at the end when, like, the the kids that live on the, the gambling uh, planet are, like, ha- playing with the little action figures and, and Luke. And they're recreating that that scene that happened on the, the, the sand, the, not the same planet, the salt planet. So, it's, like... You're, you're right he continues to always be the this mythical character um, uh, as far as that goes and, and he finds he doesn't I mean he's not seeking a way for that to live on but like that finds him in the end um with, with his with his you know way out and still inspiring that next generation so like they'll continue to tell stories about Luke and then you know continue to tell, tell stories about Ray or, or and what have you so but I think it's, I think it's truly like that the way that that film, kind of encapsulates that that search for Luke and it being like the the main motivating force is uh is pretty exciting, right? I think it's pretty exciting for obviously fans of the of the series um and I you know I always wonder like if if that was your first introduction to like Star Wars, if you were that was the first movie that you ever saw, if that was that was Star Wars. What you would take away from it, if it would be as impactful, looking for this random person, right? I, I think they do a pretty good job at like hammering that home, and maybe like maybe Han and Chewie are like your link to that <laughs> to add some 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 verification to to what's going on, but because like you, they're introduces characters, you clearly can see that they are capable um, in the actions when you first meet them, and then that lends credence to Luke, right? And Leia as well. Like Leia as a general, like, obviously, like, obviously does a pretty good job of being like, yeah, this is I'm an important character as well, and and, and does that. So,
3: I think you bring up a good point, and I think it's uh, something the movie does well. I I, I talked to uh, Adam because Adam was here when I saw it that time. I don't know. We watched that movie a couple times. You you and I did, in theaters. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah. um, the one of the times I saw, it, I think three times in theaters. One of the times that I saw it in theaters, it was one of the later times. There was a there was a little girl fully dressed up as Ray. Like fully dressed up as Ray. And um and this is I think I'm sorry, this is for The Last Jedi, not the Force yeah, Awakens. No, I apologize. Um, but like she was like repeating the everything you've just said is wrong line every time Luke said it, right? And like, but she was dressed as Ray. And like, yo, know, she was that perfect age group for this to like just like yo, know, so many other people were, you know, for any of the other ser- your trilogies. And I think it does such a job because it empowered it allowed Rey and Finn, Finn who got stiffed as a character. We, that's a different conversation. But allowed those characters to show off without needing to be saved in that first moment by Luke. Luke still gets his moment to save them later, mm-hmm. right? Like in in the Last Jedi. But like, I think by letting the movie establish that they can save themselves, without him necessarily, um, helps build them as characters for, for that audience, while still like building to him. So I think I think it's. Effective, and I and I think it was effective. So, um, I don't know. I I, I hope that uh, Mr. Skywalker, you, um, enjoy all the food here. Oh, stop it! Please don't force. Okay, I don't I, don't I don't. I know you don't know this, but your dad used to float apples like that, and it's creepy. He just cut off a waiter's
2: hand. <laughs> so that was awkward. No, I do. Yeah, actually, it's probably the crowning achievement of the Force Awakens, though, to take the like headline character from a, a series. And like, oh, we're gonna make a movie without him, but he's still gonna be felt in every dan- in every <laughs> yeah. darn scene. And yeah, <laughs> so stop I know. What's wrong I, with I've had you? a bad day. No, but it just, but <laughs> you just to have his presence felt throughout the movie, but not have to actually use him. And it, it, so it's probably Abrams' best achievement. I wish he would have been able to top it. But again, conversations for another episode.
3: Again, we could do all, an episode that's Abrams' beginnings of movies or shows that are really good that he can't pay off on. Like we could do that and
1: it would be a, a satisfying,
3: but anyways, poor uh, so Luke, let's move on to the next one. Cause Luke's starting to talk about sand and I don't I'm over it's it. It's weird. What's with the skywalkers <laughs> so, and
1: sand. Am I right?
3: I don't know. I, I got, I don't know. It's cold.
1: <laughs> uh, of course. So we're, uh, we're back to me. We're going to invite my, my primary guest in. Uh, and I think it, you know, it's, it's a pretty inspired choice. Um, uh, not to toot my own horn, but, um, um, my uh final guest and uh, i think my my best guest, is uh the red rider bb gun from a christmas story uh and uh, you know i uh, you know initially thinking of this list and trying to like drum up ideas um i i get i think this one just like slips past a lot of people but this is definitely an object of desire that completely propels a majority of the film uh in, in the eyes of our our main character of ralphie um and I, I think that first of all, uh, Christmas story, fantastic um, uh, Christmas tale. Um, I'm not even like particularly like religious or anything like that. Christmas really holds no importance to me for for, for, the, for the most part. But dang, uh, I like capital capitalist Christmas. Uh, that still gets me <laughs> in the in the feels because uh, you know you just after X many years of living with it, like that's just who you are, I guess. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, and this is this is a great film about capitalistic Christmas in, in many ways, uh, mainly the, the desire for the Red Rider, Rider BB gun, and um, you know this is this I think this kind of blends the lines between the two like houses of MacGuffin, right? Because it is just an object. Like I don't necessarily care about the Red Rider, Rider Red Rider BB gun, uh, but then it does get obtained, right? And then does influence like the actual like portion of the film right it does like have action within it um, in shooting you know Robbie's eye out as we all know w- w- that uh, so. I would say he fought
2: off those uh, those burglars
1: with it first just saying you know that's that is uh, a fantasy so like can we that wasn't real now you might argue the entire movie is not real it was Into real that, right I would say here, <laughs> Um, but it, it, it is a MacGuffin. And I think that, that is interesting that, you know, it is not, I don't think it, it is like that movie is not like, ah, oh, that's one of the classic like MacGuffin movies. Right. But it shows how subtle sometimes things can be, even though, or how, how they can be masked. Right. I think like that, that is kind of the uh, masking of, of what that film is about, um, in a way.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And Morgan, though, I was confused because you didn't say an official Red Rider carbine action two hundred shot range model air rifle uh, with a compass in the stock, I I like and, a and, the stock and a thing that tells time. Compass in the stock and little thing that tells time. I get it; it's poetry, sheer poetry. Uh, but I, no, I agree. I think that um, I think maybe we take for granted that like holiday movies, specifically Christmas movies are usually MacGuffin films, right? Oh, yeah. Because there's normally an object that a kid <gasps> wants like I miss the opportunity to put Turbo Man on here. Nah. I was gonna say Turbo Man <laughs> jiggle all the way. Um, so you know I, I think like that's just an element of, of like those kind of films. And I think when we look at like, you know, we're dealing with these definitions, I think Hitchcock, you know, his definition, um, he never got to really experience our culture of nostalgia right and like something like christmas story is it, definitely a nostalgia movie for a large like population of people right like that's boomer nostalgia like hardcore you know what i mean uh, and i don't mean that negatively like i just it, it is what it is so i think when you look at the MacGuffin, right like even though technically it could just be a christmas present right i think like latching on to yeah, but it's that it's that Christmas present you got in the '50s. You know what I mean? Like it's a, I think it has a lot of those emotional strings attached to it that makes it endearing. Yes, it doesn't hurt that the movie's on twenty four hours a day on Christmas. And You'll watch it every um, day.
2: And time it's on.
3: I mean, honestly, you just you keep that station on, and by the time you're done with Christmas, done. you've yep. watched the movie at least once. Uh, but I uh, know I I think it's a good one, and I think like it's a good like. Uh, representation of like the Christmas idea of the MacGuffin.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. If it goes to the Hitchcock ideal, that it could just be anything. Is where it really works too, because most people will connect it to that item from their real life Christmas when they were a kid. So it does pull on the heartstrings and that. So it works really well. So it can just be a metaphor for anything you had in your actual Christmas.
1: Yeah, I think like we all grew up with that thing that we wanted that our parents are like, "Nah, you ain't getting that." Like. Psh- and it wasn't necessarily like a threat of violence to oneself that like was a discouragement necessarily but like obviously uh you know maybe mike maybe you can tell about tell us about this when lily is like old enough to start like asking for things specifically and you get to play this trick right where you get to be like you're not getting that don't even what do you i can't believe you're even asking me for that like that's ridiculous and then you get to like like oh well what's that over there that 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 trick um and i imagine that like, that'll be that that's probably like a a wished fulfill a wish fulfilled moment for you as a as a, as a parent and oh and yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, it's gonna right happen. exactly and i think like that that part in that movie that that scene in that movie obviously it rings true for a lot of people regardless of whether you you know celebrate christmas or anything like that obviously you <laughs> I likely got a gift at some point in time, hopefully in your childhood, that maybe you were led to believe you weren't going to get. And um, it just hits home. Yeah. So. Agreed. Alright. All right. Adam, who else are you bringing? Okay. To the table?
2: Um. So what I'm bringing to the table here, it's really going to pull the table together. It's really going to bring it together. Because it's the dude's rug from The Big Lebowski. Uh, I I adore this film. I believe it to be one of the most quotable films of all time. Uh, A movie that drops the F-bomb 292 times, which is a feat in its own. Uh, But as a MacGuffin to this film, I think it really works because in reality it's a film about absolutely nothing. So making the MacGuffin just a dirty rug that got peed on... Which is yeah, just I, nothing. I, wanna,
1: I don't. I, I want to interject here. We're cleaning the rug before it gets to the table, right? I just there's like no, a... no. We're
2: gonna end up bringing the rug that he takes from the okay. uh, from the big the actual Lebowski later. I would say
3: Luke might like it dirtier based off of like how he was living in the Last Jedi. He was an orphan. He'll be okay he with was...
2: anything he gets. Okay. <laughs> he was roughing it. Uh, that's fine.
3: He does that rug have sand on it?
2: But yeah, and I just I think it really works to what the like what the whole idea of the film is, that it's just, it's literally a story that is nothing, and he goes on a crazy adventure, all to end up with a rug, and then once he gets the rug, like, another rug, nothing in his life changes at all. He just goes back to being the dude, and Jeff Bridges really is the dude in real life, and it's really fantastic. If you actually ever see him, uh, he, when he's, like, performing songs or anything, it's just the dude on stage with the guitar, and it really makes me happy. Also, fun fact, the dude is based off a real-life person named uh, Jeff Dowd, who was in the anti-war group, the Seattle Seven. And in the movie, the dude references that he was part of the Seattle Seven, and it really makes me happy that it was based on a real-life <laughs> person. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's a MacGuffin that actually pushed into real life, kind of, because uh, a, there's a apparently something called Floor Covering Weekly. Uh, it's a real uh, magazine or newspaper and they requested an interview with the Cohen brothers, and it ended up being one of the longest interviews the Cohens have ever given. <laughs> Was for Floor Covering Weekly, and I ju- it just really makes me happy. <laughs> so, no, that's that's my choice. It's a it's a a film that I just I, I love so much. So that's why it's here. Oh, and everyone gets a White Russian, so that's a that's a win for us all.
3: Can we just talk about White Russians for a little bit? Because those are oh yes yes
1: <laughs> i mean i like yeah I, I was gonna say i like rugs so yeah there it's you fine go. with me
3: <laughs> I, yeah i i will say like a macguffin that is urinated on to begin with is you know it's, it's exactly where it's the fitting, dude
2: is though so it's <laughs> it, it's
3: fitting of that film that that is for sure so um i think it's not wild how that film has like like become what it has become like it's funny don't get me wrong but i don't know that even they making it would have predicted like the the that we we'd be talking like some random shlubby guys on a podcast would be talking about you know the urine rug
2: well there (laughs) there's lebowski fest uh there are quite a few people that are dudist priests so there is a religion (laughs) about it i mean look if you go and look on any menu where somebody's like we're gonna be creative with our white russian style drink what are we gonna let's work lebowski somewhere into the name for it Every time, so it really has become a cult classic, but staying power. Which yeah, I I don't know if it warrants that, but it has an eighty four percent review on Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually pretty impressive in its own.
1: Any any other jokes? Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, but I, I do think like uh, I think the film is is certainly iconic. I mean, like a lot of like Cohen Brother vehicles are are quite. They they have their following for for sure, and um I think the Big Lebowski is probably the most accessible. It feels like it's just very accessible as far as a Cohen Coen Brothers film. A lot of their stuff is, I would say like like out there as far as trying to understand it right. It's a but, niche uh, comedy style for uh, sure. Yes, one hundred percent. I feel like the 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 Big Lebowski is a more mainstream push of uh of that, and uh, people just connect with it. Um, and I think like that's that's kind of a, a wonderful thing, and that's why you have this sort of following uh, behind it. It's just because it it uh, it is uh, it is strange and funny and and weird, and definitely the main character is most certainly I, I'm sure uh, maybe to to people's detriment a a, a idol <laughs> potentially. <laughs> so uh, and yeah, I mean like the rug, everyone knows the rug like. And it's, it is something that I think is a good MacGuffin because it is something that really is always like, that is, that is the main focus. Like that is his goal. He's laser sighted on, on the rug. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, and you, you don't forget that. Um, no matter what's it,
2: happening. I mean, he, he uh, gets a, Somebody gets a tome mailed to them and he's like, oh, I'm
1: just still trying to get my rug. And it's really fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I don't I don't have anything more to say about the P rug.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well let's move on from the P rug to something that probably should honestly not be sharing the same thing. <laughs>
2: like I don't know. Uh, I've seen what that cup actually looks like and they matter.
3: Hey, let's be honest, it depends on the depiction. Uh so yeah, what's that bright light coming down the hallway? Is it a candle? No? It's a holy grail. I wow, I just uh it, it, oh my gosh, whoever's carrying its arm is clad and uh, shivering, but anyways, I, I, let's talk about the Holy Grail, which is the Holy Grail of MacGuffins.
2: Ooh.
3: Well, I, I think, like, the sheer fact that we use that as an idiom, like, tells you what we're talking about. Um, so I'm going to reference at least three specific film depictions of this. Um, so if, the Holy Grail is one of those weird Middle Ages relics. It's not a real thing, like... If you ever thought it had like any sort of biblical, like it doesn't. It's it was one of those cool things like to quest for. Um, but supposedly the cup that you know caught blood from the crucifixion is what it's supposed to be. Um, the three films I would like to talk about it. Maybe it's three different cups, and we play like <laughs> play like the shell game with it. Find the resurrection under the cup. Uh, but we're gonna talk about Excalibur. We're going to talk about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And we're going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Rest in peace, John, John Connery.
2: Smacking women uh, up in heaven, he
3: is. Jeez. I just hope he gets to see his dog, Indiana, again. <laughs> we what? named the dog, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like the Holy Grail is like... You know, it's interesting how the object is depicted... Um, both in The Last Crusade and in Excalibur. And is a more obscure movie, but I don't care. It's great. And if you've never seen it, it's a pretty, sh- like, I would I'd say accurate to the text depiction of the Lamorte Arthur, uh, kind of. Not um, for it children. Includes all of the, it includes all <laughs> the things like Lancelot and Guinevere's affair and Arthur's sister yep they have a child so
2: uh, Re- remember that, remember the happening. hawk and the cadbury cream egg rabbit it's something <laughs> like that not for children
3: um also a merlin who looks a lot like ringo sar that always stuck in my head as a child oh um, my god he does but, yeah but the the holy grail is the object that they must search for to rejuvenate arthur after um you know after morgana sort of takes advantage of, of him and uh as it I think it's Percival is the one who finds it, which uh you know if you are a fan of the at times troubling Ready Player One, right? Um like you know that character's name is Parcival because like he is questing for these objects, right? So like the, the reference pattern of like the Holy Grail it, it runs deep. Um and of course in the last crusade um you know Indiana Jones's father has been searching for this his whole life um and they do find it and it is a test of hubris right uh, you have to pick the right cup, and the cup of the carpenter is, of course, the most humble cup, as it would be. Uh, and it saved Sean Connery's life at the time. Um, hey. boy, I, don't <laughs> boy, I don't know if that joke's in poor taste. Uh, we've got yeah. a while before this comes
2: out. It'll ease in.
3: <laughs> um, and then, of course, the, the last one, then, is My Python, The Holy Grail, which is a bunch of British people taking this very reverent object and just to- <laughs> totally messing with it. Um I, the one thing that is funny is the La Morte Arthur, even though like the, the, so that's the text that's like the story of like Arthur's legend. Uh, and it's in French, uh, even though Arthur is British. So then I find it, I've always found it hilarious that the French are the ones who apparently <laughs> have the Holy Grail uh, and they, uh, they never get it. They get arrested <laughs> instead. So, uh, But I, I think like the, the symbolism of the object, like it has those romantic elements to the Middle Ages, to the, you know, the knight's quest. You know when you think about the quest and the objects you go for the Holy Grail is like the is the one um but also the fact that you can use it as this sort of like over the top joke right like the and it is just it seems very flexible and um it's one of those inst like people know it you know what I mean um even if you have no ties to like you know middle ages Catholicism right like you know the Holy Grail and I think that's a big deal
2: Oh, for sure. Honestly, I mean, you stole this one from me. Well, I, I gave it to you graciously. Uh, I only had it... I I said I was taking it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make it look better there, bud. Uh, no, no, I, 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 had, I had it for Last Crusade and Monty Python, which I forgot that Grandpa showed us that movie first, which is actually kind of wild.
3: Uh... Yeah. Yeah, there's a weird moment where when you're a kid and you don't get all the jokes, but then later you watch it back, and the whole... Castle anthrax oh. scene. It's real weird to walk, watch watching the oh. grandfather. I'm going to be very honest. Yeah.
2: Should have so, turned, uh, hey. turned off that beacon, unfortunately. Grail shit. Like Grail, Grail shit, shit. beacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. But just those two movies in general have such staying power. Uh, I mean, especially just... I mean, you and I talk in quotes almost exclusively. And just how many times in our life we've just said, you know, you've chosen poorly or said, oh, that's the cup of a carpenter. It, it, it just... It's everyday life for us now, so it shows how good of MacGuffin and how well it worked in those movies that it just stuck with us so much. That's fair. Morgan, how many times have we
3: played uh, Murder, Death, Trivia Party, which is a wonderful Jackbox game mm-hmm. uh, where you have to poison the cups. Oh, yeah, and you and... always pick the cup of a carpenter. <laughs> yeah, you can't have to pick the cup of a the carpenter. There's not another choice. So, And I don't want you to besmirch Excalibur. Sir Patrick Stewart's in that movie. Okay, Liam Neeson's in that movie. I'm not. i other people. I'm not down <laughs> talking the movie. It just wasn't uh, on I mean, for my
1: choice. Helen Helen Mirren's in that movie.
3: Helen Mirren's. Oh gosh, is she Morgana?
1: Yeah. Oh. God. Oh yeah. Oh god. <laughs> you yes. are correct sir. <laughs> um, so Ooh. I I I've strangely never seen. Uh, it's strangely for me personally. I've never seen Excalibur. You would think I would have had that one under my belt. Yeah,
3: I think like your dad lived that. Yeah, life, probably. Right? Like, I, I, that?
1: I haven't though. Or if I I have. I I was too young, and it blocked it out of my mind. Um, <laughs> but obviously, Last Crusade, and I think my my most important one is definitely Monty Python and the Holy Grail, because uh, I have seen that one, uh, unsurprisingly, and uh, it is, is hilarious. It's probably one of my favorite movies. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, like, it's iconic. I think the Holy Grail is an iconic uh, representation of this. It is, you know, very, very um, multi... It's very versatile, right? It is something that is... It can be perfectly... Can perfectly represent what a MacGuffin is. Um, Yes. And it's, you know... uh, And Monty Python, and I think Monty Python and Last Crusade are, like uh two of the the best examples right of this and kind of look at both sides because obviously last crusade it is a is a real object that is found and actually has an impact on the movie like it is something that we care about um specifically for what happens when it when it saves uh uh, papa jones's life um (laughs) papa jones and
3: Papa was a in Jones, <laughs> and
1: Sorry. alternatively in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, um, it never is actually a, a real object that is found. And oh yeah, you never even see it except for the beginning. Yeah, it, it it has no impact on on a- actual impact on the plot, and people get arrested at the end of the. Film. <laughs> film in search of it which is uh, actually one of the best ways to end a movie yeah
2: it's
3: very good
1: um, oh god just um,
2: the fact yeah. that they worked that entire moose joke into the beginning of that film too <laughs> my sister got bit by a moose once <laughs> awesome.
3: See the lovely, legs. See the lovely legs.
2: um i do want to say
3: I, I i want to put a quick shout out to also my one of my favorite pieces of grail fiction uh which is a neil gaiman short story called chivalry i don't know if you've either have you ever read it but it's a strong recommendation. A woman, a British woman buys the Holy Grail at a, like a thrift store, doesn't know it. And then Lancelot, a Lancelot-esque knight keeps coming and asking for it like every day. Like, he just like knocks on the door and like, can I, can I have that cup? And she's like, no, why are you asking? It is hilarious and wonderful. It's called chivalry. It's amazing. So, uh, but uh, there you go. We have the cup here. Um, I guess drinketh? I don't I I don't know if that's what we're supposed to do here. I hear it's
1: again, got restorative Actually, party, so that, that's could, the
2: it, cure for COVID. So it is. we should probably drink that. It is
1: oh, it is uh, I, you, you guys are really working on making this episode unpublishable, <laughs> but thank you. Ooh. This is episode huh. two. Just,
2: just the next um, episode will just be Mike and Morgan. I've been voted off. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, Mike. Is, Mike's,
1: man, I don't think it's, it's, it's going to be me. I don't know. You made some pretty uncharacteristic, uh, like some, some not great connery jokes. So <laughs> it's all right. It's not you know, like he's going to hear the jokes. It's fine. <laughs> this is this is who we are. This is who we are, um, audience. So if this is your jumping off point, I don't blame you. And uh, well wishes to you. Well wishes to you. Um, anyway, so that's our guest list. It's going to be real awkward having to tell people not to drink from the guest. Uh, <laughs> is, that is not silverware. They I can apologize.
2: go to the bathroom on one of the guests. So there's that. I, they, <laughs> you brought a toilet.
1: <laughs> first of all, good. you can go to, be- go to the bathroom anywhere, all right? That- <laughs> Just polite. <laughs> um i i like the like i think the idea like luke
3: looks at all three grails that i've brought and goes hmm none of them have yeah, looked no. <laughs> And just sits back they down got really
2: upset <laughs>
3: uh so i yeah i think we've uh we've established a, a diverse table of MacGuffins um <laughs> over here in plot device hall <laughs> so uh i i hope you uh yeah i hope i hope everyone enjoyed that i and you know Maybe let us know what who else you would have brought to
2: the table. Sadly, Luke did bring a laser sword to a BB gun fight, but I'm sorry, that didn't land.
3: Didn't Morgan bring a BB gun to a laser sword fight?
2: Either way you look at it. It's a round Listen, table. We're uh, all here.
1: <laughs> Our guests won't be fighting. They'll be enjoying each other's, uh, Though they'll, they'll be telling all the stories about all the people that search for them. Well, mine can't talk, so...
3: Yeah, <laughs> they're all waiting. After. Okay, now what you've just depicted is we've just created the worst version of waiting for Godot, <laughs> right? Like they're all like they're coming for us. Yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting. Yeah, they're any they're minute now. They're it. gonna come get us. So once uh, once they get here, yeah, and that's it. That's the whole dinner. We've just made it very sad.
2: No, they're all cursed at like the island misfit toys. They can talk.
1: It's just it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's been seating chart <laughs> seating charts. <laughs> um you can always uh uh, follow us on twitter Uh, we are at seating chart pod um so if you have any uh suggestions or uh you know want to yell at us for any of our uh guests uh please feel free to we we call that um audience interaction uh and uh, we accept it uh for what it is so we understand that um our guest list may not be uh what you would, would what you would invite if you have different guests again let us know we're interested We have nothing better to do, Um, but um, uh, that is going to be uh, everything for us for uh, this time. We will uh, catch you next episode. You have a great one. Bye.
3: I thought we were doing Bon Appetit.